Pigeon Pagonis is here. They're an intersex activist and filmmaker and a co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project. Sean Saifa is an intersex activist their own self. Collage <laughs> artist, writer, and a public health researcher. Uh, together, uh, they're trying to make a change. Uh, there are doctors in the world that feel the need to question the harmful practice of genital surgery on children born with anatomy that is atypical for males and females, otherwise known as intersex. The two are here to discuss that as well as to discuss a demonstration on Friday at the American Urological Association around the subject. Welcome back to Vocalo. Thank you both for joining me today. This is a this is a wonderful time. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, I I want to you know let our listeners know in case they aren't uh, well versed in the topic. Uh, you've both obviously been working uh, around this this subject your whole lives <laughs> and uh the activism that comes with it is is an ongoing process pigeon uh talk to me a bit about uh what the demonstration on friday will be about and uh why we're still fighting this fight in 2019 can i just say i rode here and listened to another radio station because i was in an uber and didn't have control <laughs> and i am just so grateful for vocalo um I just want to say I love Vocalo so much, so much. And thank you for having us here. Um, Thank you. So what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the fight for intersex justice and why it still needs to be fought in 2019. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think like some things just take a long time. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of fights for justice take a long time. And I think intersex especially because... It is. It affects quite a lot of people, about 2% of the population, which is about the same amount of people in Russia. That's a lot of people, yeah. but a lot of us are not public because of the shame and stigma. So bringing a group together that has a lot of shame and stigma, that's only 2% of the population, which is a lot at the same time, but not a lot at the same time, um, it's hard to then mobilize and fight and make this big change that we're seeking. And and again, it's me and Saifa and other people like us. We're not surgeons. We're not doctors. And we're going against surgeons and doctors who society really trusts and believes and respects, and they have a lot of authority and power. And then they see us as just like, Oh, who are you? We don't really care about you, what you guys are saying or doing in terms of the people that have power. They really respect doctors and they look at activists like us, people with lived experiences, intersex people. Um, They kind of look at us with less respect than doctors and surgeons. So I think that's another huge issue. Saifa, what is the disconnect here between scientists, between researchers, uh, people who do this for a living, who went to school for a long time? What isn't clicking that this is not the best course of action? Well, you know, I I think I just want to start off by offering something that I think Adrian Marine Brown said, right? When we started so many protests around um, black lives and interactions with the state, it's saying that, you know, this has always been here, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're just kind of pulling back the veil um, and everything is being exposed for what it is. Um, So I live in Atlanta, you know, I live in the South. And the thing I appreciate about living in the South is that you know, people are front. People are real, right? Mm-hmm. The racism is real. The misogyny is real. Um, and it's not that it's not real in other places. I think it's just like, I think for me it's comfortable because I know what I'm up against, yeah. right? And I think um, what I've learned is that racism is illogical. You know, sexism and misogyny is illogical. Um, and it's deeply entrenched in medicine, yeah. right? Um, and so mm-hmm. you have these young people 
that are learning about the science, but they're not learning how to really be with humanity. Um, And so I think there are a lot of deeply entrenched beliefs about the body. They're very deeply entrenched beliefs about male and female. um, And that's to the exclusion of intersex um, infants and children. And I think there isn't a recognizing, and I think it kind of, there isn't a recognizing that these surgeries are a part of rape culture, right? Um, Because it's like, okay, well, we do these surgeries to you and you're fixed, Right. Which is a very patriarchal and very misogynistic point of view. And it's not any long term follow up on people to be like, how are you doing? How are you living with these surgeries? Are you getting the care that you need? Um, And so I think that's why we are continuing to fight this fight, because we need to let people know that, you know, these children become adults. Right. Um, And how do we create a future generation of healthy adults um, who live with full body integrity? Integrity and autonomy. That's the right. thing that we're talking about here. We, this is a, a children's issue. These, these kids don't have uh, the ability to give consent. Uh, and I don't think that parents are educated enough to be able to make that informed decision. You mentioned uh, getting the care that you need. What is that care? Uh, and, and what is it lacking in the American uh, medical community, Pigeon? Mm. Well, it really depends on which intersex variation or trait you have. There's over 25 to 30 intersex traits. So each each intersex variation has a different subset of needs. Um, but the majority of them actually really need nothing except love, care, and understanding from parents and doctors. And generally what we hear most from intersex people themselves is they need a therapist. They need someone to talk to about, you know, I have a little bit of a different body or my hormones work a little differently than most people. And I would love someone to talk to about with a therapist. But also, and I forgot to say what they also say they need, is to talk to other intersex people. Mm -hmm. And the parents as well, the number one thing they've said that's helped them is to talk to other parents of intersex kids. And there's support Mm -hmm. groups for that across Mm -hmm. the country and across the world. And that's the main thing that we need. That's the main thing that we need. We need recognition and we need community with each other. Um, Most I would say most intersex um, variations, not that I would say this is a fact, they don't have a medical problem linked to them. The problem that the doctors see and the surgeons see is something that they view as cosmetically wrong Mm -hmm. and that we cosmetically don't appear to fit into the binary of the sex and gender system that Saifa was talking about. And so... They then create problems by intervening with these really messed up surgeries, such as um, clitoral clitoroplasties, and which reduce the size of the clitoris and and can ruin the function of the clitoris. And then they do things like follow up and they put medical vibrators on kids' clitorises, ages six and up, to see if their surgery worked well enough. That brought if the blood flow is still going to clear. Mm. And they're doing this to children, which is why I think Saifa was saying that this ties into rape culture. We see these efforts by surgeons to make us fit into a binary of what or make us look quote unquote normal as having similar effects as childhood sexual abuse on mm-hmm. kids. Um, not just the surgeries, but what they do in follow-ups to us when they lift our shirts up, pull our pants down, touch our genitals, touch our chest, administer and force us onto feminizing or masculinizing hormones against our will and mm-hmm. do all of this stuff for our lives. And so I think that's why we, the Intersex Justice Project, Saifa and I, started because we wanted to start doing in the streets protests, direct actions to bring more public street-level awareness to what's going on. 
Pidge and Pagonis, Sean Saifo. We're talking about intersex justice. Uh, one of the the best things I think about my job that I have is that uh, I, you know, get to be involved in conversations like this. And this might be the first time that some of our listeners are being uh, are hearing about this mm-hmm. this struggle about this this movement. Uh, are conversations like this that get to happen not just. Uh, within the intersex community but outside of the intersex community uh helpful and kind of uh not just in the movement but in kind of just normalizing this thing that two percent of the population is right i think it can um i think that's the work that pigeon does that's the work that i do right because i think you're right i think we need to normalize the conversation about intersex bodies it's like you know i was thinking recently is that I see intersex issues tied to environmentalism, you know, because it's like intersex bodies remind us that there is so much variation in humanity, right? There's yeah. so many, so much variation in humans. And if we're, yeah, like if we're committed to destroying our environment, then by doing these surgeries, we're also committed to destroying humanity, right? Yeah. Because we're trying to erase the fundamental part of how beautiful and how complex human bodies are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, we have this number, like, you know, 1.7% of the human population is intersex, but how do we know who's really intersex or not, That's right? Because the thing is, if we define intersex as bodies, you know, who's like chromosomes, genitals, sex characteristics are atypical for male and female, like, that can be anyone, you know? Like, if you're an adult who is sexually active, you probably have seen different kinds of bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, it's definitely what, what we see now is that doctors, urologists, surgeons, that they're trying to make they're trying to destabilize our movement by saying that intersex is something so small and so rare, right? Because, for example, there's an intersex variation known as congenital adrenal hyperplasia that for a long time was considered an intersex trait. Now they're trying to say, oh, well, CAH is technically not intersex. And I'm just like, that's so bogus, right? Um, And so the thing is, what they know is that if intersex people feel like they're rare, it creates um, an opportunity for isolation and then people won't organize, right? It's almost diabolical. And I think it's hard for us to believe that doctors can be diabolical, that doctors can be racist, that doctors can be misogynist, that doctors can be sociopaths, that doctors can be child molesters. It's very hard for us to believe that given how medicine and doctors are depicted as like caring, responsible human beings. And that's just not the case, Mm -hmm. right? So I think with more education, with more visibility like hopefully we can get more people coming to the front lines even though it's hard right because people have been traumatized you know there's very deep trauma you know and how do you organize like very traumatized people I think it's possible right because I think it offers an opportunity for healing but what I'm saying is that what happened to us, what happened to me and Pigeon, what happens to so many intersex people is unfair. It needs to stop. And we may not see it in our lifetime, but the thing is, I do believe that we're taking, we're on a righteous path and we're taking steps toward everyone's liberation, right? Because mm-hmm. when intersex people get to live as they are, it like definitely opens the gates for everyone to live as they are. 
Uh, you say that it's difficult to organize uh, these these folks, but you're trying. <laughs> yeah, we out here. And tomorrow is uh, is uh, kind of the the the, the palpable, uh, touchable, actionable <laughs> uh, demonstration. Uh, tell us uh, what you got going on tomorrow, and tell us why uh, at the American Neurological Association. Well, <laughs> um, the American Neurological Association is an umbrella organization that, and housed underneath that is the Society of P- Pediatric Urologists. These are the actual surgeons that do the surgeries on intersex children, many times against our will, because we're children. We cannot consent to these surgeries. So we are having a protest tomorrow because they are gathering in Chicago for a week-long or weekend-long conference where they get together and they discuss us without us. Mm. Um, They do cherry-pick a few people that agree with them, right? But for the most part, they're discussing us without us and their techniques for maintaining order when intersex kids are born, right? Mm -hmm. So we are here to say we're not going to let you continue to do this without us protesting, and we're bringing mm-hmm. people from the city together to educate, bring more awareness, and that's why we're doing this protest tomorrow at noon in Chicago outside of the Marriott Marquis Hotel on 22nd and Prairie Street, which is downtown by McCormick Place. Please join us if you want to. <laughs> Hit us up on social media if you want to get involved. But if not, just show up and we'll be there at noon tomorrow. I admire uh, the spirit and the fight here. And I, I just admire y'all getting out there and making yourselves visible. This is not mm-hmm. an invisible problem. Right. And uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to, to help educate folks. Yeah. Thank you for joining us.